early one Friday morning in a sleepy suburb outside of Houston, Texas, a young woman says goodbye to her husband as he leaves for work and then goes to her front yard to set up for a last-minute garage sale. Just a few minutes later, she would be approached by an unknown person in a black pickup truck who would shoot her four times, brutally murdering her. Security cameras around the neighborhood would capture this tragic crime on video, yet more than two years later, we still don't know who the killer is or why they targeted this young woman. You're listening to Crime on My Mind, and this is the story of the murder of Elizabeth Barraza. everyone. I hope you're all having a wonderful day. The story that I have for you today is probably going to be on the shorter side than our usual episodes, mostly because there just isn't much information available about this case. This case isn't covered all that often in the true crime community, which is surprising because it has all of the elements of a true crime sensation. A quiet town, a young couple, and even video evidence of a crime that is as confusing as it is horrendous. And even though it's been more than two years since this crime took place, It seems as though the case hasn't progressed much since that fateful day in January 2019 when Elizabeth Barraza was gunned down in front of her own home. Elizabeth Barraza was only 29 years old when she was killed outside of her home in Tomball, Texas. Tomball is a city about 30 miles northwest of Houston with a population of just over 11,000 people. Elizabeth worked as a data reporter for a pipeline inspection company. Elizabeth, or Liz as she was known to friends and family, was said to be an incredibly kind soul. She was a huge fan of both Star Wars and Harry Potter, and along with her husband was a part of the 501st Legion, which is a fan organization that recreates costumes of Star Wars characters. As part of this group, Elizabeth had partnered with the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and she would go to hospitals dressed as Star Wars characters to surprise sick children. And instead of carrying a pistol in her holster, she would carry a little baby Ewok stuffed animal. This story is just one example of how much of a kind-hearted and loving person Elizabeth was, using her love for Star Wars to make people happy in some of their most vulnerable moments. In 2014, Elizabeth married a man named Sergio Barraza, and in 2016, they bought their first home together in Tombal 
in the 8600 block of Cedar Walk Drive. They had no children and lived together with their dog. It was actually just a few days before their fifth wedding anniversary that Elizabeth would be tragically killed in front of this very home that they shared together. In fact, the couple was planning a trip to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Orlando, Florida, just two days later, to celebrate their anniversary. Elizabeth was so excited that she had made custom Harry Potter shoes for the occasion, and she already had her bags packed. Unfortunately, though, Elizabeth would not end up making it on this trip. Friday, January 25th, 2019 started with Elizabeth kissing her husband goodbye at around 6.48 a.m. when he went to work for the day. Sergio worked as a florer and installed carpets. As he left, Elizabeth began setting up the garage sale in their front yard. Although this garage sale was an annual event that Elizabeth held, this year it had been kind of a last-minute decision to organize it for that Friday morning. The couple had wanted a little extra cash before they left for their trip to Orlando, so they had allegedly only decided to hold this garage sale the night before and hadn't even gotten a chance to really advertise it. They had told some close friends and family about it the night before and put up some signs in front of their house earlier that morning advertising the sale, but Elizabeth had been waiting to set up the sale first before putting up more signs around the neighborhood. So it was really only a handful of co-workers, friends, and family who knew that this garage sale would be happening that day. Elizabeth would also normally be at work on a Friday, and actually would have already left the house by the time of the murder, but she had called off work that day. I couldn't figure out if she had already planned to take that day off in anticipation for their trip, or if she took the day off last minute once she decided to hold this garage sale. But either way, I thought it was interesting that if this were any other Friday, Elizabeth wouldn't even have been at home at the time that she was killed. Just four minutes after Sergio left for work, so at around 6.52 a.m., a black Nissan Frontier pickup truck pulls up near Elizabeth's house. This truck had circled Elizabeth Street three times that morning before finally stopping across the street just minutes after Sergio had left for work. Surveillance video from both the Barraza's own ring doorbell camera as well as another security camera on the block shows an unknown person getting out of the driver's side of the truck with the engine still running. Elizabeth is heard saying good morning to this person as they approach her. The person then pulls what is presumably a gun out from either a pocket or from underneath their clothing and points it at Elizabeth. Elizabeth jerks backwards in reaction to this sight, and the perpetrator exchanges a few words with Elizabeth before shooting her, point blank, three times in the chest. Elizabeth falls to the ground, and the perpetrator then leans over her and shoots her a fourth time 
in the head. He or she then runs away quickly with their hand up to their head as they do so and gets back into the pickup truck and speeds away. A few minutes later, though, the truck circles back in front of Elizabeth's house before finally driving off for good. A 911 call was made soon afterwards by a neighbor who had heard the gunshots. She described them as, quote, three gunshots, rapid fire, then wait another second or two, then another gunshot, end quote. One of the neighbors also called Sergio at work at some point to tell him that something was wrong at his house and that he should come back home right away, which he did. Elizabeth was flown to Memorial Hermann Hospital, which was the same hospital that she had volunteered at, spreading cheer and joy to those who needed it the most. It was there that Elizabeth was later pronounced dead, despite life-saving measures. Even after death, however, Elizabeth continued to spread her light to those who needed it the most. She was an organ donor, and the donation of her organs would end up saving the lives of four people. Needless to say, this murder was a shock to everyone who was close to Elizabeth, as well as for everyone in the neighborhood. I mean, this kind of stuff just doesn't happen in a place like Tomball, so it makes sense that everyone was really shook up about it, especially given how kind and just normal of a person Elizabeth was. What would cause someone to want to take her life? A few days after her death, a vigil was held in the same driveway where Elizabeth was killed, and attendees each brought lightsabers and wands to commemorate her love for Star Wars and Harry Potter. At a press conference later that week, Elizabeth's father and husband would urge people to come forward if they knew anything. Houston Crime Stoppers also announced a $20,000 reward for information leading to the arrest of the killer. Michael Ritchie, a homicide detective for the Harris County Sheriff's Office, would go on to say about the murder, quote, It was very quick, it was very calculated, very cold-blooded of how it was done. I do believe that more than one person was involved in this, and I do believe that there are some people out there that maybe have a suspicion that somebody they know might have been involved, end quote. However, law enforcement would have a difficult time coming up with a motive. They quickly ruled out robbery as a potential motive because nothing was taken, including a box of around $100 that Elizabeth had with her and had planned to use for the garage sale. The police's best leads came from the surveillance video from the neighborhood, which showed the killer getting out of a black or dark-colored Nissan Frontier Pro 4X truck. Law enforcement has said that this is likely a 2014 or newer model of the four-door truck, possibly with a tag or badge at the rear quarter panel near the taillight. 
This type of Nissan Frontier truck is not very common in the area, so authorities believed that such a truck would stick out in the neighborhood. The footage shows the truck circling the Barraza Street a few times, both the night prior and the morning of the shooting. Shortly after Sergio leaves for work, the truck parks across the street from Elizabeth's house, conveniently in a location that is just out of view of the ring doorbell camera on the Barraza's front door. An individual gets out of a door on the driver's side of the truck and walks in front of the truck towards where Elizabeth is standing, setting up for her garage sale. It is unclear whether this individual is male or female, but they do have shoulder-length hair, and they're wearing light-colored clothing. To me, it looks like this person is wearing some sort of a robe, or maybe a coat or a jacket, perhaps even a dress. It also looks to me like they are wearing boots that go up to just below the knee, perhaps cowboy boots or something similar. The video is quite grainy, so it's difficult to tell. Elizabeth can be heard saying good morning to the individual, which indicates to me that she either didn't know this person or didn't recognize them, either due to distance or some sort of a disguise that the person was wearing. As the individual approaches Elizabeth, it looks like they are holding something, likely their gun, underneath their clothing in order to hide it. Once they are face-to-face with Elizabeth, however, they pull out the gun and point it at her. Elizabeth can be seen visibly recoiling, taking a step back at the sight of the weapon. Words are exchanged for a few seconds, and it looks like the perp might even be handing something to Elizabeth. The perpetrator then shoots Elizabeth point-blank three times in the chest. Elizabeth falls backwards, and the shooter steps closer to her to shoot her a fourth time as she lays on the ground, this time in her face. This person then can be seen running towards their truck with a hand covering their head, almost as if to hide their face from any possible onlookers that may have been alerted by the gunshots. Others have speculated that the perpetrator is wearing a wig, and so the reason why they are holding their head is because they don't want the wig to fall off while they're running. The person gets into their truck and speeds away. However, just moments later, the truck would be seen on video circling back in front of the Barraza's house. Some have speculated that this was done in order to make sure that Elizabeth was actually dead. Now, there are a few things that we can talk about here with regards to the video. One of the first things that stood out to me when I watched this was just the ease with which this person basically saunters up to Elizabeth, head held up high, no hesitation, and clearly walking with purpose. 
I also found it really interesting that the person points the gun at Elizabeth and then takes a few moments to say something to her before firing. I think that's super interesting because if this person was so worried about someone potentially seeing them, why would they take the time to say something to Elizabeth while also having a gun pointed at her? This tells me that whatever this person was saying to Elizabeth in that moment was more important to them than the possibility of being seen or even caught. There has also been some speculation that it looks like the individual hands something to Elizabeth right before shooting her. Some have said that it looks like they hand a note to her. The video is too grainy to know for sure, and authorities have never confirmed or denied this publicly. The gender of this person and what they are possibly wearing is also heavily debated. At first, I thought that this was definitely a woman, just based on the longer hair, their walk, the way that they, like I said, basically saunter up to Elizabeth. And the fact that it looks like they are wearing a dress or a robe of some sort. After watching it a few times though, I'm not so sure. Some people have said that it looks like this is a man wearing a wig or some other sort of disguise to appear like a woman. I think that's a definite possibility. I also think that the clothing this person is wearing is super interesting. At first, I thought that the person was wearing either a nightgown or a dress, but then I noticed that they are hiding their gun underneath whatever they're wearing as they walk up to Elizabeth, which leads me to believe that it is some sort of a robe or a coat that they're wearing instead of a dress. It almost looks like they're wearing like kind of a robe that you would wear once you get out of bed or get out of the shower, which makes me think that this person kind of just woke up and decided to come here to commit this crime. It is also possible that this person is wearing a costume, which is a really interesting theory considering that Elizabeth was a part of the 501st Legion and regularly cosplayed as different Star Wars and Harry Potter costumes and regularly cosplayed as different Star Wars and Harry Potter characters along with other members of the 501st Legion. This has led many to speculate that the perpetrator could have been a fellow member of the 501st Legion. As far as I can tell, Elizabeth and Sergio were very active in this community, and so it's quite possible that they knew a bunch of people who were a part of the 501st Legion and who would also have access to similar costumes. Despite the several cameras in the neighborhood that were able to pick up the killer and their vehicle, as far as we know, the image has been too grainy to make out exactly who this person is. Law enforcement hit another wall while investigating this case because of the sheer lack of evidence found at the scene. There were no shell casings recovered from the scene, 
and this led authorities to believe that the weapon used was a revolver. I don't know anything about guns or weapons, but I'm assuming that revolvers don't leave shell casings behind, which is how they came to this conclusion. There was also no DNA or any fibers found at the scene. And although we have a good idea of what kind of vehicle the individual was driving, none of the surveillance footage is clear enough to identify a license plate number. So let's move on to potential theories. To me, it seems pretty clear that this person had to have known, number one, when Sergio was leaving for work that morning, and number two, that Elizabeth would have the day off from work that day and would also be in the front yard, setting up for this garage sale. With regards to number one, I wasn't able to figure out whether or not Sergio worked consistent hours and would have been leaving the house at the same time every day. But I do think that it is very suspicious that this person was ready in the vicinity of the Barraza's house right around the time that Sergio left for work and waited for him to leave before going up to Elizabeth. This proves to me that this person knew that there were only two people living at the house. They also knew around what time Sergio would be leaving for work and that Elizabeth would not be at work that day. And then with regards to knowing that Elizabeth would be at home that day, it seems like only a few people knew about this garage sale because it was such a last minute thing. They hadn't even really gotten around to advertising it yet. And I do think that this person, at the very least, had to know that Elizabeth had the day off from work because normally, Elizabeth would have already left for work by the time that this murder occurred. So either the perpetrator got extremely lucky that Elizabeth just happened to be home from work that day and on top of that in the front yard that morning, or they had to have insider knowledge about the Barraza's routine that specific day. Now, I know authorities were able to determine that the truck had been circling the neighborhood the night before the murder, but I would love to know if authorities were able to see if surveillance cameras had spotted that truck even before that night. That would give us insight into whether or not this person had to spend a few days surveilling the house to get down the couple's daily routine. Because if they hadn't, and the night before the murder was the first time that anyone had ever seen this truck in that neighborhood, then I think that points even more to the perpetrator being someone who had intimate details about this couple's schedule that day. I also think it's important to note just how risky this crime was. 7 o'clock in the morning is early, but it's not so early that you could safely expect that no one else would be outside at that time. I live in a neighborhood that is similar to the Barrazas, quiet, suburban, but 
I routinely see people out walking their dogs, heading to work or school, or going for a jog at 7 in the morning and even earlier than that. Now, this was January, and so it would have been pretty dark at 7 in the morning, uh, which explains why the video footage is so difficult to make out. But I still think it's quite brazen to go up to someone's house at 7 a.m., and shoot them outside where people can clearly see you. There's a very high possibility that someone might have seen something or wrote down a partial license plate number or something. I was honestly shocked to find out that no one had really seen this person driving around the neighborhood or walking up to the Barraza's house, as far as I know. Now, maybe the perpetrator was wearing a disguise and using someone else's car, and so they weren't worried about someone potentially seeing them or capturing their license plate number because they knew that it couldn't be tracked down to them. I'm kind of reminded of the Missy Beavers case where uh, the killer was wearing a disguise and so likely wasn't worried about being caught on surveillance footage. But also, that crime occurred a lot earlier in the morning. I think it was like 4 or 5 a.m. when you wouldn't really expect people to be um, outside, or at least not that many people to be outside. But this was at 7 in the morning, and it was in a suburban neighborhood. It was in a place where people would be getting up and getting ready for work around that time in the morning. So... I was just really surprised that it seemed like no one had really caught this crime occurring in person, other than on video, if that makes sense. I also find it interesting that the perpetrator points their gun at Elizabeth and then pauses for a little bit to say something to her. At least that's what it looks like from the video. This is also a very risky decision because it leaves ample time for Elizabeth to scream out or for someone to walk by or look out their window and see them. So I think that also points to just how desperately the perpetrator wanted to say whatever they had to say to Elizabeth. As mentioned before, A lot of people do speculate that the killer can be seen handing Elizabeth a note or another item right before shooting her. I personally can't see that really, but I also admit that the video is so grainy that it would be difficult to make out. I think it's more likely that the killer just said something to Elizabeth before killing her. Some people online have tried to enhance the audio footage from the Barraza's Ring doorbell camera, but it's pretty difficult to make out exactly what this person is saying to Elizabeth before they shoot her. Perhaps the most risky aspect of this case is that the perpetrator took the time to circle back and drive by the Barraza's house after shooting Elizabeth. By this point, I would assume that the neighbors had heard the four gunshots and are probably looking out their windows, maybe even walking outside to see what's going on. So the perpetrator took a huge risk by driving back past the scene of the crime. 
it seems like this may have been done to check and make sure that Elizabeth was indeed dead. And it seems like this person was intent on making sure of that, seeing as they even stepped over her body after she had fallen to the ground to deliver that fourth and final shot to her head. This has led many people to speculate that this could have possibly been a hired hit on Elizabeth and that the perpetrator circled back in order to maybe take a picture or otherwise confirm to whoever placed the hit that Elizabeth was in fact dead. I also want to point out again that I just think it's crazy that no one saw the truck circling back or caught a license plate partial or something like that. I mean, given that this was a suburban neighborhood. Again, you would assume that people would hear the gunshots and look out their window and and see this person running away, getting in their truck, driving off, and then coming back around. But as far as we know, no one was able to get a really good look at this person or at their truck. So I guess now we're at the point where I talk about what I think happened and Honestly, I don't have a really great theory that makes 100% sense. I can't think of anyone who would want to hurt Elizabeth. I mean, obviously, I didn't know her. I didn't know what kind of a person she was. But by all accounts, she seems like a really cool, nice, and just normal person. I mean, she's the kind of person I would probably want to be friends with and talk about Harry Potter with. But I do think that this crime had to be committed by someone who knew Elizabeth and also likely knew Sergio. It's just too much of a coincidence that this happened on the one day that Elizabeth was not only home from work, but in her front yard setting up this garage sale. And because hardly anyone knew about this garage sale, I think that this means that this person was either close to Elizabeth or knew someone close to her who tipped them off that Elizabeth would be outside at this hour. I know I've made comparisons to the Missy Beavers case already, but this case honestly reminds me a lot of the Missy Beavers case. Both women were from Texas were seemingly really normal and kind women living their lives and being successful and in happy relationships. Both of the crimes were committed by someone who was caught on video but still hasn't been able to be identified. And both of them were committed pretty early in the morning. But in Missy's case, it was a well-known fact that Missy taught these classes regularly at that time in the morning. And maybe I'll do a whole other episode on Missy's case sometime in the future. But that was a well-known fact that Missy would be at this church at that time. And I think it was even posted on Facebook the day before that if it rained, they would go inside the church for this class. But In this case with Elizabeth, this wasn't a well-known fact. I mean, she did have this garage sale every year from what I can tell, but it's not like it was at the same 
day and time every year. And in fact, this was a last minute decision to have it on this day. So this wasn't something that a lot of people would know about or that you would be able to find out by just going on someone's Facebook page. I also wonder if the perpetrator in fact was someone in the 501st Legion. Word spreads fast in those types of communities. Maybe Elizabeth told someone in the group about her garage sale and they then innocuously spread word about the sale to other people in the group, not knowing that this would be the result of that. I also wonder if the killer was in fact wearing some sort of a costume in order to disguise themselves. There was one really interesting theory that I saw online. I think it was on Reddit and I wish I had written down who made this comment because I thought it was a really great observation. They said that maybe this person is wearing a Princess Leia costume. And from what I can tell, the white dress slash robe and the tall boots that the killer seems to be wearing would fit with that costume. I also think it's interesting that the killer parked in a spot that was just out of sight of the Barraza's ring doorbell camera. Maybe that was a coincidence, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe this was someone who had been to the Barraza's house before and knew about the location of this camera. Or if you believe in the this was a hired hit theory, Maybe someone tipped them off about the location of the camera and how to best avoid detection. It's also interesting that when the killer is running back to the car after shooting Elizabeth, their hand is covering their head and their face, and it's almost as if they know where the other camera in the other house is because they're blocking their face directly from that camera. Of course, it might just be a coincidence. It might be that they were just trying to keep their wig in place if they were in fact wearing a wig, but that was just something that I found really interesting. And unfortunately, that is pretty much all of the information that we have in this case. It is really crazy to me that in this day and age, with all of the technological advancements that we have made, we can have video of this crime being committed, and yet we still are not able to tell who committed the crime. Just earlier this year, Harris County Sheriff did finally release the video footage from the Barraza's own ring doorbell camera. And while it doesn't show the perpetrator, it does show their truck from a slightly different angle. And hopefully that means that authorities are still tirelessly working on this case and that new developments are coming. Elizabeth Barraza seemed like such a kind and vivacious woman. She absolutely did not deserve to die the way that she did, and her family definitely deserves answers. Someone has to know something about this crime, even if they don't know it yet, and it might just be a matter of spreading Elizabeth's story and jogging someone's memory that leads to this case being solved. If you have any information regarding the murder of Elizabeth Barraza, please contact Houston Crime Stoppers at 713-222-8477. Until next time, 
You're listening to Crime on My Mind. Sources for this episode include The Unresolved Podcast's episode on Elizabeth Barraza, Courtney Fisher and Marla Carter's reporting on ABC 13 Eyewitness News, Christine Pelisak's article on People.com Crime, and KHOU 11 News. <laughs>